playing our stock music in the background while I listen to you guys. <laughs> just, you got to get immersed. Yeah. That, that yeah, Unverse yeah. cast uh, and vibes. I've got my list of games I played last year on my phone with some detailed notes on Sonic Superstars. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, so I think we're ready to start, my friends. As am I. All As right. am not. You're not? not? I am. Okay. But I do have to do this first. <laughs> well, I was going to start in earnest. That's the Yoda death from oh. Lego Star Wars. <laughs> hey, Exo. Yes? What, what do you call somebody? With no body and no nose. Um, I don't know. Nobody knows. Somebody? He played Somebody once told rim me. Shot <laughs> that you had a Wawa. boyfriend that looked like a girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> well, we all know that Ryan does look a thing like Jesus. <laughs> and I do talk like, I do talk like a gentleman. That's true. Ladies, all five of you. If you date Ryan, he'll treat you like a queen. Just uh, ask his girlfriend. Ladies, ladies, all five of you, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, but this man is spoken for. Oh, yeah. That's why I just said your girlfriend could tell them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, man's man is a class A gentleman. You know what? Both of y'all are, too. No, yeah. Why did we get divorced? Well, because you gave me back the ring pop. Or you couldn't finish it. it. I don't remember. Done. It had to be done. Man, I just no loyalty. <laughs> These hoes ain't loyal. Anyway, <laughs> we're here for the 2023 Game of the Year podcast. And, you know, I, I think I could speak for all of us. That this is probably the best year in gaming that I can remember. Definitely one of them. Definitely one of them. Yeah, I, I think. I enjoyed it more than 2017, maybe. It's close. Yeah, like, I, I would say it's definitely the best year since we've been doing the show, since, like, 2016. Yeah, yeah, I'd go yeah. as far to say that. And it's funny, because if you go back to our 2022 podcast, I was like, yeah, what, what the hell is even coming out next year? And then <laughs> immediately, Pizza Tower and Hi-Fi Rush both came out in January, and I was like, oh... I guess we're we're starting off strong here, but uh, you know we we've got a lot to talk about. So this year we're we're going to be doing this in two sessions, which means is anyone else intimidated by this, or is it just me? Well, you should be because I'm about I, I to bring up like the fan I feel like as if I'm looking list. at a giant mountain and it's like we have to climb it, and I'm not. I don't know if I'm ready for it. Uh, I mean, we've we've done this before. We can, we've gotten we got through three hours of Sonic Frontiers, and we can get through this. Yeah, but the, this is like, I mean, there was a lot like this year was like really good. And the thing is that it didn't stop. It just did, like things just kept coming out and it was almost too good. You know what I mean? Where it felt like it was impossible to catch up. Or yeah, am I crazy? Yeah. I felt yeah. like there were many points at which I felt like I was drowning in games. To, like there are some I just had to leave behind because I was not mm. going to be able to get to them. Mm -hmm. it's a good problem to have but it's yeah. just like like i didn't get to beat final fantasy 16 and i really wanted to i didn't even get to play hi-fi rush mm. you know so that made me sad because i owned the game i just haven't played it yet because i've been <laughs> playing other games 
isn't isn't that like the the quintessential gaming moment is when you have games <laughs> that you've paid for that you still haven't played. Yeah. Oh, you should see my Steam library. Dude. Yes. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yes. The fucking winter sale that just that just ended by the. I mean, it, we're recording this on the seventh. So, and the sale yeah. ended, I think, on like the fourth. That fucked me up. That <laughs> fucked me up so bad because everything was like five bucks, ten bucks. I'm like, oh yeah, don't mind if I do. Oops. I'm never gonna play this. <laughs> I was just gonna sit in my library. Yeah. Well, hey, now, now that I got a Steam Deck, I'd be able to play it. You know, mm. yeah, I can mm. now lay down and just kind of go go to town. Yeah, yeah. So where should we start? Because there's lots of games, and I assume we want to save our favorites for last, which would be in the next session. I'll talk about one of my least favorites. Yes, I yeah. Let's let's start with least favorites and stuff we played this year that isn't 2023, if applicable. Do we want to talk about the stuff that didn't come out in 2023? Because there's, again, too much. I mean, like, I'm looking, I don't know about you guys, but I'm looking at my list and I'm just only seeing, like, 15 games. Nice 15 games. Well, that's 15. Okay, yeah, that, that's 15 games. And I'm looking at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Okay, I'm looking at 14. Yeah. So, uh, so 15 <laughs> plus 14 plus whatever King has. I, I've played... Of only things that came out this year, I played like twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I I but do want to talk about. I could, I could dedicate a, a little time to some things that I played that weren't from this year, although there weren't many. So yeah. I, I played I, the Xenoblade trilogy, the Gears trilogy, and the Pikmin trilogy before four came out this year. Nice. So Wait, I did. So wanna... you played through all. That's right. You did play through all, all three Xenoblades. Yes, uh, I'm t- I'm down to dedicate some time to Xenoblade always. <laughs> I will figure well, it out. I- Ryan, it's your turn first. So why don't you okay. start? Okay, so the first game that I played this year, and I think it was one of the first games that came out this year, was Forspoken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not play it. So, Because, like, flashback to when the ps5 was revealed square enix showed off a game it was like project uh, like athia or something like that and i remember like we you know we did the the podcast talking about the ps5 reveal i talked about this game and i said that looked really cool so i got the game despite everyone saying that it's not that great but i bought it because hey i was looking forward to this game how bad could Mm -hmm. it possibly be and it wasn't as bad as people were saying because some people were saying it was dog shit poo nunu garbage and it really isn't <laughs> nice the problem is reference. that huh nice tack reference <laughs> <laughs> but like it's just kind of it is a game that has a really cool idea it is a game that has a really cool combat system but like it doesn't know what to do with it mm-hmm. it's like you got like a hundred million zillion pavilion spells because like that's pretty much the entire game is that like you don't really have melee attacks or like sword and shield. Like everything is magic and it's really cool. And, and it's, it's all like the, the combat. Um, it's huh? all from the magic ring voiced by Steve Merchant, right? Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's cool, but like it just, there's nothing really besides that to do. And I remember like playing it and I was thinking like, this would be a lot better as like a, like a Bayonetta or a Devil May mm-hmm. Cry kind of game where if it was more linear, more focused and like just, focus the game around that but instead it's an open world game Ah. and there's literally nothing here you have like these uh, 
for lack of a better comparison, like the shrines from Breath of the Wild. It's like these little areas that you go, you clear like a little mini dungeon, but these are literally just hallways where you just you run straight, you fight a gauntlet of enemies, you run straight, you do like a zip line thing, you run straight, you fight a boss, and then you're done. So it's like and Kingdom Hearts really 2. If Kingdom Hearts 2 wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember most of the dungeons in that game being hallways. Yeah, but like at the same time, there were still like moments and like little mini games that you did. And this game doesn't have any of that. Yeah, there's like and one the town in the game, and it too. feels it feels lifeless, you know. And it's it's it makes me it, it makes me sad in the sense to see that like the people who made Final Fantasy 15, I think they worked on this game. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. I think I heard that from somewhere. Yeah. But this was the game that kind of tanked them, and I'm like, you know, if if they were to like ever make like a sequel or like a spiritual successor to this game. If they made it like smaller budget and just, again, like made it more of like a spectacle fighter, I think the game would be received pretty well. But like on the whole, it's just kind of like this middle of the road game that doesn't ever do anything. It's more of just like an idea. So I don't know. That made me sad. And that's really all I have to say about it. Well, most of the discussion I saw of this game centered more around the tone and the characters and the dialogue, especially. I didn't really hear much yeah. discussion of the actual gameplay, not to mm-hmm. my recollection anyway. What's your opinion on that? Well, regarding the gameplay, again, it's really more so is just that there's not really much to discuss. And regarding the main character and the way how she's written, I kind of understood what they were going for because in the beginning, and I, I didn't know this going in because I wasn't really following this game. Like I saw the trailer, yeah. like the very first trailer when it was still like Project Athia, and I'm like, oh, that looks pretty good. And then it came out, I'm like, oh. But I was not expecting this to be an isekai and the oh. character to be from New York. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I like, saw oh, that as well. ah. that's kind of wild. Yeah. So it's like you got this character talking like she belongs in a Joss Whedon movie. And it's like, oh, oh, OK. It, it just it feels weird. Right. But I kind of understood what they were doing in the sense where it's like, you know, in the place that she is from, she is a nobody. She always gets like the shit end of the stick. So, you know, she's coming into this new fantastical world and she's like, you know, she's jaded and she's miserable and she's like aggressive and everything. But you see the kind of environment that she was brought up in, you know, that she was abandoned as a baby. You know, it's like, okay, no, I understand it. But like the problem is that she never really changes or Mm -hmm. develops, you know, it's like she always has like this sourpuss attitude. And it's like you go from like you go from like your home or not even your home. It's just like the place that you're from. Because she said it like so many times, like, oh, I don't have a home. I'm homeless, blah, 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 blah. And then you go to this, like, this fantastical world and people are treating you like the sequel to Jesus Christ. And you're still, <laughs> like, miserable. And you're saying, oh, I don't want to be here. I want to go back to where I was a loser nobody and I didn't have magic powers. So, like, that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. But there was also this point where her, I'm losing, I'm using this term loosely, but her friend, her granddad dies and her her granddad knew a way on how to like bring the main character back home but instead of like comforting comforting her friend or like consoling her or giving her time to grief she's instead being like this this really aggressive like oh he was my one shot of getting out of here i'm so fucking pissed fuckity 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 fuck 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 man and now i'm stuck here fuck 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 she also curses a lot and then her you know her friend reasonably goes dude my granddad just died and you're making this all about you what the fuck are you doing mm-hmm. you know so i i kind of understood like like i i understood what they wanted to do i do not think they landed it like i don't think this was a good 
character at all. I don't know. And that, that was the point where I kind of realized that, like, I didn't really care for the game because, like, I was expecting to see some sort of development, but it just wasn't there. So, yeah, that's it. <laughs> all right. It's just the, the writing is just immature and the character is immature and bleh. I don't really have anything else to say about it. It just it just it bummed me out. All right. Hmm. Well, who should go next? Uh, see, <clears throat> the problem is that I didn't really I didn't really play much that I would say I didn't enjoy. So uh-huh. like like maybe the only thing was that I replayed Pikmin 2 and I hate that game. So <laughs> And like Sonic Frontiers I wasn't too big on, but we already did a whole podcast. So like uh I don't know. I guess you can go, Michael. Oh, okay. Let's see. I have two kind of choices for disappointments. Um, and that's really the worst I would call them is disappointments. Mm-hmm. You guys want to hear about Detective Pikachu or Born of Bread first? <laughs> I forgot uh, Detective Pikachu came out. I guess Detective Pikachu. I don't even know what Born of Bread is. Uh, it's a Paper Mario-like. We'll talk about it later, uh, I guess. Sounds breadful. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the, the, exactly the kind of dialogue that would be in that game, honestly. But, uh... Yeah, we'll talk about that. So, Detective Pikachu Returns. I played this game for two reasons. One, I liked the first Detective Pikachu. It was a cute little game, and I've never played, like, Danganronpa or Ace Attorney or anything comparable. So, to me, it was fine. And then number two, Tim Goodman is super hot in it, so I bought it immediately. (laughs) So, it's a direct sequel to the first game. They reference events of the first game constantly. It has nothing to do with the stupid movie, though they do make fun of the movie in the game. They're like, they made a movie about you solving the R incident. And I'm like, oh. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but Pikachu is voiced by the Airsoft Shop guy from Persona 5. Yes. Uh-huh. Kaiji Tang is his name. He's also Dazai on Bungo Stray Dogs, the English dub, who is one of my favorite performances of all time, by the way, that Mm. does i and max middleman was in that too but never mind so detective pikachu 2 was a i would call it a mild disappointment it has something in common with another game we're going to be talking about later which i'm going to lay down a bet right now was ryan's game of the year just gonna do it sea of stars this is game of the year it's actually story of seasons a wonderful life is that a real game that exists story of seasons a wonderful life yeah is that real Yes, it's a remake of Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life, and it came out this year. But my game well, of the year is just stars. spoil that right now. <laughs> oh, oh, <don't. laughs> Anyways, Detective Pikachu. What I liked about the first game and what carries over here is that they took advantage of the fact that it takes place in the Pokemon universe, and I'm not pronouncing it Pokemon. So get over it. Comment section. Thank um, you. Like. Because you like have a talk really pe- cares, honestly, if you if somebody cares about that, <laughs> they need to find something better to do. Detective Pikachu can interview Pokemon so you can get witness testimony from other Pokemon in addition to humans, which means that Tim and the Pikachu can solve cases that nobody else can because they can get observers that human detectives would miss. So it's kind of fun to it. The game opens with like a jewel heist that you investigate, which was like a pretty good opening chapter. They added this new mechanic where you can ride certain Pokemon and they have like an ability that they can like break down walls or 
uh, see-through walls for the shitty stealth sections. I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about this game because, like, the core game loop is essentially gather clues to answer some kind of question and then deduce the answer. And sometimes the answers are kind of obvious. Not all the time, but, like, sometimes I'm like, well, obviously this happened. But you have to go through the trouble of talking to any, everybody anyway. But it's also a game that's kind of targeted more towards kids, so it's it's fine, I guess. I, I think my big problem with it was the first Detective Pikachu game, to my recollection, had eight cases. And this game only has five. And it kind of ends abruptly. The, the secondary antagonist comes off like a drooling idiot in the final case. And it's like, dude, you've been had. <laughs> why don't you realize this i thought you were smarter than that then the ending is sort of epic like there's an epic fight between and spoilers and then because because sort of like the motivation in the first game for tim to team up with the pikachu is that his dad went missing which i think may have been in the movie i think he was ryan reynolds in the movie for some reason yeah yes yes he was it's, which was left on a sort of quasi cliffhanger at the end of the 3DS game. It was like pe- people's memories get erased so they don't remember what happens. So you come into the second game. Tim still hasn't found his dad. And then there's like a weird plot about the bad guy needing to resurrect by having his comatose dad and the Pikachu in a tank to extract energy from them or something. I know I'm rambling. I guess the game was shorter than I was expecting. It felt like the cases weren't as good. Like the second one can't even really be called a case. The third one was probably the highlight because Detective Pikachu gets arrested and put in jail for a bit. <laughs> and so you get to run around in jail as Pikachu interviewing other Pokemon <laughs> inmates. Yeah. That's what I want from Pokemon. <laughs> yeah. I remember the plot of the first game being a little bit more intricate and having more twists and turns and having a more satisfying third act twist. I don't know. It just kind of felt abrupt at the end. It's 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 like the ending of Star Trek Voyager, where it felt like the ending moment could have come at any point and it would mm. would have felt the same. I, I'm not explaining this very well, but it it wasn't super great. I was a little disappointed in it and mm. I was looking forward to it because I did like the first one. I remember when this got revealed and I, I knew just by looking at it that something seemed off about it. Yeah, it just the, it looked weird. The game does feel budgeted, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I, I I liked the first one, but for some reason I saw this. Oh, I didn't know you played it. Yeah, I think we talked about it. like you and I. I think we we talked about it. To to my recollection, only I had played it. I guess, but uh, please go on. No, nah, I was saying that like I remember liking it enough, and I don't know. I guess it always felt like a one and done kind of thing. It's like is did we really? need a sequel you know and it's like oh hey cool if we got one we got one that's fine but like what they did i don't know it's it just looked off i saw them like oh no that ain't for me <laughs> i'm good i'm good out here i will say this there was a lot of discussion of the graphics like that seemed to be the only i feel like i was the only one who played this game this year except jam shows that i'm pronouncing that right it's he's a guy who's always in the comment section hmm so, like, most of the discussion I saw of Detective Pikachu was like, oh, my God, the graphics look so bad. And to me, personally, for Switch, for, like, a budget game, they looked more than acceptable, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. 
There were some parts that looked worse than others. Like there's this part where you're in a ruins type area that looked kind of crappy, but otherwise it was fine. And it looks better than what I've seen of Gen 8 and Gen 9, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, I, that's not hard. I don't know why that was the focus of the discussion. Like, I, I feel like there are more legitimate criticisms to make of this game than just the graphics. I, I do have to give a special commendation to the Unversed Cast soundtrack in the game. It's like all this light jazz. Mm. <laughs> uh, just just like what is playing in the background right now, hopefully. No, Michael, that's Deathcore. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Don't pull the Deathcore switch. <laughs> Yeah, so that was Detective Pikachu. Well, I actually, in that time, I thought of something to talk about, which is not a disappointment, but it is a game I did not finish. It was one of the first games I played in the year, and it's Fire Emblem Engage. Okay. Um, Oh, yeah. And I actually got quite far in it, but for whatever reason, I just didn't feel like I needed to finish it. But I think it was, this wasn't like an anniversary for Fire Emblem, but it feels like a game that they wanted to come out on an anniversary because it has a lord from every single Fire Emblem that has come out. And by lord, I mean like basically the main character guy mm-hmm. or girl. And so the the whole idea is that it's like a more classically primed Fire Emblem in that they design it a little bit more. The story is kind of silly. It's more about like the map design is a lot harder. So it's more about like the combat. So what you get is like a less three houses esque experience in the sense that the characters are a little bit less interesting and the story's like pretty generic, but it also harkens back to the like the GBA games that I played a bit of where the map design is a bit more like hardcore. Like so it was like a fun time, but I guess as somebody who really got into three houses, unfortunately it just isn't The Fire Emblem core gameplay loop, I guess, while fun, is not my favorite thing in the world. And so that's when that's the main draw of the game, it just could not hold my interest to the end. But I do think I got some good stuff out of it. I like the soundtrack a lot. Yeah, I heard from people who played it that the game is surprisingly good. Yeah, well, that's why I would not describe this as a bad game. It was fun. I think that it probably would never be anyone's favorite fire emblem um if i had to guess but there's gonna be 20 people in the comments saying it's their favorite now. yeah um the toothpaste lady is my waifu i, I like i only you get know, bed hair in the red side of my hair <laughs> <laughs> there's there's some fun to be had in it i like to meet all the lords all the lords have they're like characters so they're not just like mechanics you can talk to them and like bond with them if you want although mm-hmm. with the lords since they're like ghosts of past games they don't have as many options like as the real characters do but they're pretty like it's cool to like talk to marth or whatever i don't know it's like a it's a decently fun time but at the end of the day i didn't finish it and Mm. i feel like if i had enjoyed myself more i probably would have stuck it through and finished it because i did quite a few chapters in it i got like i would say i got like two-thirds of the way through or something like that but Mm -hmm. i just didn't feel compelled to push through to the end and i don't know if i ever will return to it that's the closest thing this year to a disappointment quote unquote that i had so what what i heard about this game is two things one i heard it was in development concurrently with three houses that's the theory i don't think anybody technically knows but it would make a lot of sense if that was the case i don't know too much about 
three houses, except that there are three houses in it. And the character <laughs> is yeah. a professor and there's like a goddess in her, mm-hmm. in their head that is like a little worm yeah. or something voiced by Morgana <laughs> from worm. Persona 5. Um, <laughs> and in that there are like multiple routes, so you have to replay the game multiple times to see yeah, actually, the story. Actually, the school is called Worm Academy. Is it actually? No, it isn't. Okay. You basically got it right, except Sothis is not a worm. She's just like okay. My, my ex-boyfriend had like a little green worm on his TV. It was like a little stuffed animal, and he called it Sothis. So this whole time, I thought Sothis was a worm. <laughs> Imagining that is amusing to me. But yeah, like it's it was like huge. And I guess a lot of people got into it for the more lack of a better term, persona kind of yeah gameplay. That's elements. the thing is that three houses was if you ask a lot of hardcore Fire Emblem fans, because I did some deep dives into what veterans of the franchise think and all that. If you ask a lot of people who are into the the gameplay side of Fire Emblem, Three Houses was a bit more like of a departure in the sense that it wasn't really as difficult or as engaging in the map design. Mm-hmm. Supposedly I'm going off what people who are into the franchise have said. I don't really have a big frame of reference to be honest. Cause I've played like awakening and three houses, a little bit of fates and now engage. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know, but having played both Engage and Three Houses, I can say that Engage kicked my ass way fucking more than Three Houses ever did. But I also personally wasn't going to Three Houses for that. I was going because I liked the characters. I liked role playing as a professor. It was kind of cool. You know, you mm-hmm. get to like teach your students who you also have to send out into battle and they can potentially die. So it's like oh. a really cool dynamic there, I think. And yeah, I, I think it lifts a lot from Persona in that regard because it has like a calendar day system. And you have to pick what you do on each day. So I think that was the biggest draw for people with three houses who were not previously into Fire Emblem was all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's probably what hooked me in. And it's still the most fun I've had with a Fire Emblem to date. So yeah, because the only Fire Emblem game I played is Awakening and I wasn't really into it because it seemed like a generic. I, I only got to where I got up to the point where you go to the second continent and then I stopped which mm-hmm. is supposedly where it gets interesting. I don't know. But up to that point, it seemed like there was big, bad, evil man who looks like Jafar who wants to raise a dragon <laughs> and Robin is his son. And Krom dies at the beginning in a flash forward. Then you flash back. And then there's like a guy who looks like Kefka from Final Fantasy six is the king of paraplegia or whatever. And then paraplegia. The, and, and then the, Emerin, the exarch of whatever the fuck jumps Don't off of the dragon statue. The game. It it just seemed like a generic gangrel is evil, go fight him or whatever. And then big bad evil Jafar man shows up. Valador, I think Jafar. is his name. And, and then he's the bad guy now. So I don't know. Like the story of three houses compared to that sounds like the premise sounds more interesting. When you have like all of these factions that I think you kind of the relate coolest to. The coolest thing about it is that what I always say to people to sell it is that there's a time skip that happens and then you stop, it stops becoming a school setting and it becomes a war setting. Mm-hmm. And the three houses are the ones at war, kind of, but I won't go into specifics, which means that the students that you have been teaching 
and or talking to throughout your like first half of the game eventually you will have to go to war with and probably kill them which is mm-hmm. like an extremely interesting thing to make you have to do and that i found that very compelling as well as a setting and then in fire emblem engage you have a man who pronounces potatoes weirdly or was it <laughs> i love that <laughs> the way he says that uh, that guy's actually so a good funny. actor. He was um Sir Night Eye in the MHA dub. Oh yeah, huh. and he's married to J. Michael Tatum, hmm. which That's probably cool. means nothing to most of you because you watch subs. But whatever, I watched the dub of MHA and I like it. Okay, good. I I just have not watched the anime past season three because I read the manga, so I just didn't really mm-hmm. feel like I needed to. I remember you saying on Twitter that you would rather pick up Black Clover again than keep. Yeah, there is a point in the manga that I did not like very much. I think that there's a point in MHA where it drops down quite a bit. I've heard that it has gotten better since, so I'm going to have to catch up. But Alonzo was telling me that there was like a shitty editor pushing the, what do you call a manga author? There's like a word for it. A mangaka. Mangaka, that the mangaka was being pushed by his editor to publish stuff faster before it was ready, and they got him a new editor now. I'm assuming it's a man. I don't know about that, because stuff like that is never able to be confirmed, but I would not be surprised if that was happening, because there was a point at which, I mean, a lot of people have issues with My Hero at certain points in the late arcs, but... I would say there's a specific set of chapters that were just really strange and made some very strange narrative decisions that I did not jive with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Supposedly, it has gotten a lot better since, so I'd be curious to catch back up with it. I think that was the last anime I tried watching. I kind of like, well, not even that I kind of, I just, I kind of fell out of anime, but like that was Mm -hmm. the last one that I watched and I didn't finish it. I forgot where I left off. But Did like you get I remember sick of them flashing it. back to the point where All Might says, "You too can become a hero." I think <laughs> they were at a camp. Or oh, something. that part, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember liking it, but I just, I just stopped, and I had no desire to ever watch it again. Nothing. I don't have anything negative to say about it. I thought the show was just fine, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to derail, but I was watching Jujutsu Kaisen last night. Yeah, is that good? is pretty rad I'm, yeah. I'm in the second season the shibuya incident the fabled shibuya incident okay. it's pretty damn good keep hearing stuff about so that i recommend one. that king did you get to go to shibuya when you were in japan yes yes i did oh yeah awesome How, i was spent like? time in osaka kyoto and tokyo dude i want to go i also osaka. visited hiroshima for a day and also uh went near mount fuji for a day what is that place called hakone yeah man nice that's really cool. So I, I saw it all. I'm jealous. I even saw where the Yakuza games take place in. Oh, nice. You gotta <laughs> because be my John Yakuza. Because my huge Yakuza fan. I am also a Yakuza fan, but she's even bigger than I am, so. Mm-hmm. Those are games I need to get into. Yeah. Well, now we're talking about this and not games, so let's, uh, I guess, <laughs> is that all for Engage? Yes. It, right. was, it was not engaging enough. Clearly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Ryan, what do, what do you got for us, buttface? Uh, I mean, we're still talking about games that we found disappointing. Yeah. Because I got one that... Uh, I don't have any more, so you guys can go on. Because this is where it gets tricky, because this is a game that, like, literally everyone likes, and I feel... Oh. Uh, 
out of pocket here? I actually, I think I know what you're going to talk about. It's, and I will I know not it, disrespect you for it. I, I know it's one of yours, like one of your favorite games this year. Yeah, I know you, what you're going to talk about. Yeah, I did not like Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Forspoken was disappointing because it was something I thought that looked cool and it didn't live up to its potential, right? So that bummed me out. But this was a sequel to a game I really liked. It had yeah. Venom, who, I mean, off the get-go, I already, I already had like some reservations about Harry Osborn being Venom. I didn't like the idea, and I still don't really care for it in this game. But Venom is one of my favorite characters just in fiction. I think he's a really fun character. And Spider-Man is one of my favorite superheroes, period, you know? So, you know, I'm going in with different expectations. Like, I was really excited for this. And then I couldn't even bring myself to finish it because I kept getting bored. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to say I was I don't want to say I was gaslighting myself into thinking the game was good because I think that's a bit extreme. But I was definitely convincing myself that like, oh, no, it's not that bad. It's not that bad because it really isn't like the combat's like really good. The web swinging is really good. I really like how they wrote Miles in this game. I thought Miles was a really cool character. But I just think that it's like these games like like this one and like even like the first Spider-Man to an extent. The God of War games, it just, I don't know if I could get behind these kind of games anymore where it's like a lot of the focus, maybe not all of it, but a pretty sizable portion of it is focused on like the story building things where you're walking in a straight line and characters are expositing towards you, Mm -hmm. you know, like EXO, you said that one of your biggest pet peeves in games are unskippable cutscenes, right? Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is the walkie-talkie sections. I think these are like unskippable cutscenes with extra steps. Yeah. Because you really can't skip these sections. It's like, I I remember I got to a part in the game very early on where Harry's kind of guiding you around a lab and you are walking super slow. And then you walk in a straight line for a while. And then you talk to this lady who's talking to you about bees. I'm like, okay, cool. Fascinating. And then he walks (laughs) you on the other side of this factory. It's like, hey. (laughs) Play a Connect the Dots minigame so you can learn about how to grow plants. And I'm like, okay, Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I felt like as if there were just way too many moments like that where it's like you're not playing as Spider-Man. You're playing as Peter Parker in a flashback, Peter Parker in a lab, Peter Parker in a kitchen, Mary Jane in a in an apartment or in a, a facility or like a, a camp or whatever, or Miles in a school. Do they and still just, have the Mary Jane stealth sections in this? Yeah. And they're not like people say that they're good, but like I did one where I was literally sprinting towards people and just jumping on them with a taser. And I'm like, this isn't good. (laughs) You know, I know some people like these sections, but it's not what people come to these games for. And if we're going to talk about the Insomniac leaks, you know, this game apparently cost more to make than any Spider-Man movie to date. Really? I, you know, I have to wonder like, why would they spend so much money and put in so much work and effort? Because sections like these don't make themselves. Yeah. You know, it takes a lot of manpower. It takes a lot of money and time to do. So it's like you're making content that, you know, people are not going to at the very least to be nice. They're not going to like it as much as the core game. A lot of people just straight up don't like it. People like me fucking hate it, you know? So it's like, why would they dedicate so much time for that? When you could be, you know, having the information that's being told in these moments and have it be done in a cutscene. You know what I mean? Would have made the game feel a little bit shorter. Sure. But 
it would have made the game feel a lot less bloated, I'd argue. Because, I mean, that's mm. kind of just what it feels like. It feels like as if it's padding. Mm-hmm. And also, again, just like the characterization of Venom, I just wasn't a huge fan of. I think the way how they wrote him, he kind of just felt like, oh, I'm, I am Monster Man and I am manipulating Harry Osborn into, into doing the things that I am doing when that's not really the point of Venom. The Venom was more so about how Eddie Brock and this monster symbiote are on the same page. And that's kind of why they work. That's why they have that symbiotic relationship. Like, I remember seeing a part in the game where, like, Harry is, like, begging for the symbiote to be taken off of him. And I'm like, well, that's not how it's supposed to work, you know? Because, like, if the match isn't 100%, like, spot on, then the symbiote just consumes the host and then he dies. So, like, Harry would have <laughs> died in that situation. But that's just, like, me being a fanboy right there. I can, you know, acknowledge that. And also, again, like, the game was just, like, super broken. Like, I hear people talk about the game and they're like, oh, you know, I had a couple of glitches here and there, but like, it, it didn't really bother me that much. But like, I was clipping through the floor. I had soft locks. I had hard crashes. I had broken animations. I had like the title screen bug out many times. It, you know, I, I never had Spider-Man turn into a cube. And there just came a point where like, <laughs> where that was pretty funny, where something happened. And I, I just I took a step back and I thought I paid $70 for this, you know? And it's like, we look back, you know, 2020 when Cyberpunk came out, we ripped CD Projekt Red to pieces. I mean, not maybe not us, but like the gaming community ripped them to shreds because they released a broken game. Spider-Man isn't as broken as that game. But like, how many times has this happened where a game released that's in a broken state, but yet we we tear them a new asshole when they're also working like they have to make sure that their game works on multiple platforms of like varying power. It's like, oh, you have to make sure that you have to have this game be on like a high NPC and also the potato that is the Nintendo Switch. Yeah. And it's like, you know, Mortal Kombat 1 is another game that came out this year. And then everybody was dogging on the Switch port, you know, because it wasn't a good port, apparently. But yet we give Sony and Insomniac a pass when when it, when this $70 PS5 exclusive like they only had like one platform they had to focus on. We give them a pass. We think it's funny. What if this was anyone else? <laughs> if this was anyone else? We wouldn't do that. We'd be ruthless, you know? There did s- seem to be some console war type bullshit going on. <laughs> there was a lot. Oh, yeah. I saw that on Twitter a lot. Oh, yeah. And again, it's not to say that Spider-Man 2 is as bad as any of the games that like I've mentioned before, but it's like, maybe we shouldn't be doing that to begin with. Maybe we need to take a second to realize, okay, yeah, no, people are working. People are under like a lot of weird conditions. It's really hard. So maybe don't dunk on on uh, Hello Games when they release No Man's Sky and it's you know a, a broken game. Maybe it's the same with uh, one Honestly, of the. See, I can get behind that, but that's never going to happen. No, it's never going to happen. Uh, the other game that came out that was a Microsoft exclusive, Starfield. Uh, Redfall. Oh, you said Starfield. I said Redfall. <laughs> but it's like just take a the second fuck to is realize Redfall? that. Huh. I've never heard of that game at all. Yeah, I, think, I know what Redfall is, but I'd never played it. I've never played it either because it just didn't look that good. Spoiler, I guess it wasn't. What I, what I can say is that the Insomniac leak showed me firsthand that w- people are ruthless when it comes to talking about game developer. Mm-hmm. Like, you get definitive hard proof that there are problems going on in Insomniac. There's like, they, they're saying they absolutely must make the next spider-man game a certain budget or they're not going to be able to maintain it anymore because supposedly at the time the leak happened spider-man 2 wasn't even breaking even yet because of how big its budget was Mm -hmm. and the game still released with i would say more problems than you would expect from a triple a release i would admit 
and you can tell they poured so much time into it and clearly a lot of money. I think it was like, I don't even remember the figure, but there's more money than they have ever spent making a game before. Yeah. I'm confident in saying that. I think it was like three times the budget of the original Spider-Man. And you play Spider-Man 2 and it doesn't, and I don't say this disparagingly, but it doesn't immediately show that it was that much more expensive. It obviously went to stuff that wasn't as readily apparent unless you're making the game. And I think the problem with that in regards to the rest of the industry is that you know that the other big companies probably have similar problems going on with their dev studios. And I think even in that leak, Sony is talking about how they're going to have to downsize Insomniac or close one of their studios just straight up. Mm -hmm. And that's disheartening. It really is. It's very disheartening. And I really wish that, you know, it's, it is funny to see like the spider cube on Twitter. And I don't think it's even bad to laugh at stuff like that. More so, I think people need some fucking empathy mm-hmm. when, when it, in regards to talking about like glitches and on like games that released in a less than ideal state. Because at the end of the day, the reason that they release that way, I think we should aim at other figures other than the people who slaved away making it. Yeah. Because clearly they don't want it to be that way. And it's like, it, it kind of reminds me, I mean, slightly off topic, similar idea though, but it's like, you know, you hear how these AAA movies in Hollywood, they can't break even. It's like every single movie is like in the hundreds and hundreds of millions, but yet, you know, all the movies that came out this year, like underperformed like shit, or most of them did. And it's like the reason why is because the budgets are so fucking huge that they can't make that money back. Doesn't really matter how well they do. Spider-Man 2 is in the same boat. Like, I don't think Spider-Man 2 sold like it couldn't have sold like shit. No, it was no, everywhere. it didn't sell. It definitely did not sell badly. Yeah. It sold pretty damn well. It sold, and yet, but it yet it break couldn't even break yet. even. You know, what the fuck are we even doing this for? <laughs> it, it, this is us? definitely a year where as many great games as there were, mm-hmm. it was also an alarming year for like, I think like some, some figure like around 6,000 devs got laid off and like, you can see that AAA budgets are ballooning past the point of realistic. To the point where it just feels like we're approaching a very bad spot for the industry, it seems to me. Mm -hmm. I think we're on the wake of another crash. We have to be at this point. At least the AAA one. I mean, Indies will probably be fine, but like. Yeah, that that problem would probably trickle over to them, but I'm not an economist. Mm -hmm. And it's funny. Yeah, obviously they would experience some problems, but they don't have the same amount riding on them as like Sony does. Where if Sony starts struggling, they might just close their dev studio entirely. They already did that with Sony in Japan. Mm. Yeah, they did do that. Yeah. Uh, the funny thing is, I didn't end up finishing my game design program. Um, I got three years into it and got just a taste of what this industry is like. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the school I went to was the subject of a Stephanie Sterling video called <laughs> The College That Teaches Crunch. So that should probably give you a good idea of what it was like there. Mm hmm. I was never doing enough work. I was never doing it fast enough. And it felt like there were a lot of really talented people around me that it was, it it felt difficult to keep that motivation going when there was so much work on your plate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I can't really go into any more detail than that. If I had finished it, I would have been going into the job market any year where all these layoffs were happening. So that would have been my reward for finishing my degree. So I guess I dodged a bullet there, <laughs> but it's, it's yeah. still, it's, it's just, I've been in the trenches 
so to speak, not at a professional studio, but I did work on game teams with programmers and a sound designer and stuff. And I had deadlines and we had to make prototypes and, you know, like feature complete builds and content complete builds. And I had to do solo projects. So I've I've had a taste of that and it is really difficult. Mm -hmm. And you you feel underappreciated and you feel like your work is never good enough. And it's just hard to keep that motivation up unless if you just really love games and can deal with all the hard stuff. And I was just one of the people who couldn't do that. It would, it was just too much for me. Yeah, I actually uh, I was catching up with a former partner of mine a few years ago, and she I mean, she was in the what was it? It was like it wasn't localization, but it was like bringing the games over and making them work on American consoles. So she wasn't even on like the dev team. She was just like making the games work. And she was saying a lot of the same shit that you were saying just now. Yeah. And it's like, if it's bad for that, just making the games work on a console, like making sure like it's printed on the right discs and all that. Imagine what it is being on the front fucking lines, you know? Yeah. That is insane. I think this year, as good as it was, you know, there is, I mean, it's, it's a bittersweet kind of thing in the sense is like, we got like a lot of really good games, but at the same time, it's also kind of a wake up call. Where it's like you you see firsthand like what the cost of these good games are. And yeah. it's something that we don't we don't really ever think about. So that's because the people who publish these games don't want us to think about it. Yeah. They want to keep it all yeah. under wraps. Shit's like this important. I'm sure Sony <laughs> which was is why it took a fucking at these leaks. It took a leak, which by the way, was a sucky leak because it leaked like passport photos and credit card info oh. and shit mm-hmm. of the employees. Because it was like some kind of dark web ransomware thing going on. Like it was like a hacker who was holding Sony to ransom for that info. And then Sony didn't pay any money or even really talk to them. So they just released it on the Internet. Life sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This world we live in sucks. It could be better. Uh, Regardless, King, do you have anything you wanted to say about Spider-Man? I know you enjoyed it. Yeah, it is. I ranked all the games this year because I thought it'd be fun. Okay. And that was, I put Spider-Man 2 at, like, number nine, I think. <laughs> they spent millions of dollars on this game, and they could only get to number nine. Yeah. <laughs> there were a lot of good games this year. I was saying when I was ranking them that anything in my top ten at one point during the year I considered could be my game of the year. Mm-hmm. So it's a high honor to be in my top ten. But I like Spider-Man 2, you know? It, it's like... I think maybe the reason that I put it at number nine is because it is kind of a, it's an expected sequel. I don't think it really did anything super original that blew me away, but I think that the stuff that it was able to consolidate from the Spider-Man mythos, as it were, was pretty cool. I think they did some really cool stuff with it. I think that the game is a lot faster. The web swing is straight up a lot faster than Mm -hmm. it was in the original. And so is the combat. And the combat feels like in the original game, It was like fine enough, you know, it was fun. But in this game, they give you so much more to work with that and they make it a lot harder because they give you a parry that it feels like exhilarating to fight in Spider-Man 2. It's like really fun, actually. It was one of my favorite things to do in the game was swing around and like stop a crime because it just felt fun to beat the shit out of people. What what I experienced, because I played the first game this year, I did not play it when it came out with Tom Holland looking Peter Parker instead of whatever peter parker yeah <laughs> yeah and what i experienced because i 100 the whole game 
I didn't get all the best ranks or anything, but I did all the missions, all the crimes, everything. What I experienced was it was really easy to break the combat with webs. Just get people up mm-hmm. against a wall and web them in place, and then they're done. Is that yeah. the case in the second I one? I think that what they do in this game is they inherently give you less tools, like less gadgets, because you only have, you technically have eight with each, but you can only have four at a time based on what mode you're working with. And you can still web people up against the wall and stuff, but they're a lot more aggressive. The opportunities to do that are more scarce, and they just send a lot more people after you as well. Okay. In general, I felt like I was fighting more than I was gadgeting. Okay. I would say. There was a moment in this game, again, very early on, because I, I admittedly I did not make it very far. I got the black suit, and then after a while, I just realized, eh. But there was a moment in the game that kind of made me, uh, I got the same kind of reaction that I did when I watched Venom Let There Be Carnage, where Cletus Cassidy hacks to the C- into the CEI <laughs> by sending his symbiote through the Wi-Fi. What? A, that was some, I love that. That was so funny. <laughs> you just shank any Wi-Fi. <laughs> there, uh, there was like a turd in the wind. <laughs> there is a moment like that in this game that, or at least it, I got a similar reaction where Miles's friend—I can't remember his name—he's on the phone with Genki, Peter. Yeah, he was like, "Hey, Peter, just so you know, your web shooters are also 3D printers." Yeah, that was funny. Here, build a drone. I'm like, <laughs> that was funny. I'm like, what? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. The web shooters are are, are 3D printers. <laughs> it's like, it's like that was funny. The suspension of disbelief. And then there's it's that. already ridiculous like, that someone that young could build any of this crap. I well, to be fair, like this is Spider Man. That's like eight or nine years into his career, so I. I, I get the more. I'm, I'm talking about the side, other but... guy, the the oh. Miles's friend. And he's only like... supposed to be like 16 or something, right? No, I think he's in college, right? Yeah, he, Miles. Is he... I don't actually know. I, I don't know. I don't want to be a nitpicky asshole, but like this was more. <laughs> I, I really don't. I really don't. But like this game for me was like death by a thousand cuts. You know, so many small things. It just kind of built up to like this thing where I just I couldn't. I don't know. I don't know. I already said my piece on it. it wasn't, <laughs> I'm sorry. Wasn't one of the villains a muscular gay man who runs around shirtless? Um, what? Craven the Hunter, I think, is his name. Oh, Craven. Oh, I- is he gay? <laughs> no, I was just. I don't know that. why I didn't think of Craven when you said that. Oh, well, that's, that was my initial <laughs> I thought. But... Why? <laughs> well, I was like, who's shirtless in this game? But then Craven definitely fits that bill. Dude, Craven actually was my favorite villain in the game. Because I, I actually, too, was not a big fan of what they do with Venom. I wouldn't say I disliked it, but I think the third act has the most problems of any part of Spider-Man 2 in that it feels a bit rushed. But Craven, I love Craven. Craven is the type of character who is, he care, he wants to fight you, and he gets like a sick pleasure out of it, and he cares for nothing else except fighting the strongest. Mm-hmm. And that type of character also Xenos in Final Fantasy XIV. Also Goku. I, I just, I get a kick out of, well, specifically if they're evil. You know, Goku's <laughs> fine and all, but like, I get a kick out of it when they when they want to fight me. Because it's one. just hilarious. I love it so much. And Craven is like, actually feels really fucking threatening. And he does some stuff that actually shocked the hell out of me. That I was not expecting them to pull the trigger on. So he he ends up being really cool, I think. And the fight that you have with him is awesome as well. I think Craven was a huge success. King, have mm-hmm. you read Craven's Last Hunt? No, 
but I also have not read a lot of Spider-Man comics. So I think you would really like Craven's Last Hunt. I probably would. Yeah. What's the Spider-Man one? One Last Wish or something, where uh, Mary Jane and Peter Parker make a deal with (laughs) Mephisto or something. One more day, I think. Yeah, one more day. Yeah, I've heard about that one. That's funny. As someone who played the first one this year and most of Miles Morales. I do have to wonder, Ryan, because obviously there's the game being kind of glitchy. Mm -hmm. There's the whole thing with it having gender neutral Spanish for some reason. Yeah. And then selling it to native Spanish speakers. Yeah. But on top of that, I have to wonder if part of the issue was just fatigue. Because, like, there, there was a point where I got towards the end of, like, the post game in the base game of the 2018 game. Mm-hmm. Where I was just like, okay, I've got to stop like three more crimes or whatever, and I've got to do one more safe house, and I've got to go find whatever. And then after that, there were the two, the three DLC episodes with Hammerhead. Then there was Miles Morales, and like after a while, it just felt like, okay, I'm done now. Which is why I didn't play the second one this year, even though it was like one of the biggest games of the year. It was just like after playing the first two games, I was just like tapped out. Okay, I get it now. Like, no. I don't need more of this for a while. Because for me, I didn't play the DLC episodes from the first one. I did. I didn't even play Miles Morales. So I, I was literally they got going Futaba to play Black Cat. Oh shit! <laughs> didn't she get canceled this year for complaining about people using AI to recreate her voice or something? Uh, Somebody did. This is news. Some to voice me. actor. I remember that. Somebody did. What was what was her name? Erin Fitzgerald. She was also Peppermint. I can't remember her name right now. I don't know what you're talking about. I'll you have to it. edit that out, Michael. I tried to open my granola bar and it exploded. <laughs> <laughs> but no. I was trying to make a, as least amount of noise as possible, and the opposite. I, I heard nothing, so you're good, my man. <laughs> um, her name is Erica Lindbeck. Oh yeah, yeah. She I'm was pre- Peppermint. Now yeah. that I think about it. Who's Peppermint? I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure someone used AI to recreate her voice, so she tweeted, hey, please don't do that, and then a bunch of AI tech bro jack-offs swarmed her mentions, and she had to delete her account or something. What the fuck? No, I do remember this, though, yeah. No. Peppermint I, I... Ryan was in Hi-Fi Rush. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Opposite Roger Craig Smith as her brother. Spoilers. <clears throat> oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> For Sonic fans, Roger Craig Smith is the villain. I'm sure you get a kick out of that. <laughs> no, oh, I certainly did. Like, he was good in that game. <laughs> He's a, really good. As We'll uh, talk more about that. What's his name? Probably in part two. Yeah. So anything else to say about Spider-Man, Spooderman? King? Because I mean, no, I know, no, I know I mean, you're like, again, like you're more positive on this game. So like, if there's anything like you want to say, like, by all means. I like the black suit a lot, mm-hmm. but I've always liked the black suit. So I don't know. But I think that you get like there there's a certain thrill to it when you get to play as the black suit. And I think that they they fulfill the fantasy I felt pretty it. damn well. They fulfill the fantasy pretty damn well with the black suit. Mm-hmm. I also like how they let you keep those powers. I'll keep that as vague as possible. I think that that's really rad. Would and I, I think that generally even? I like how the dual protagonist setup goes in terms of theming and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that they pull off their story decently well, with the exception of the end game feeling a bit rushed. Yet I will say that the final boss was sick as fuck. I can cool. appreciate the King in Black imagery. I I can appreciate it as well. Although I wish that Marvel 
or whoever is in charge of crediting would credit the people who made Venom. Yeah. The Venom run that they were inspired by. If you have mm. not read The King in Black, read it. It's so good. It's Venom leading the Avengers and the X-Men against a, a symbiote invasion. And it's fucking rad and it's metal. And I want a tattoo from King in Black. So, so it's like Odo helping the Federation during the Dominion War. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's a Star Trek reference. I'm not a fucking nerd, Michael. Now here talk to I me about this video game. Here, here I am wearing my Star Trek shirt talking about Star Trek and you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's right, Mike. Isn't that funny that like you're the Star Wars <laughs> or you're the Star Wars? Whoa! <laughs> you're the Star Trek guy? And also, so is uh, Mike Staclossa. He's the Star yeah. uh, Star Trek guy. I mean, that's that's what motivated me to try watching the franchise. Oh, shit. Are you the Mike Staclossa? How do you pronounce his last name? Oh, my God. Hell. Staclossa. Yeah. It's Polish. Are, are, you, are you that for our podcast? I, first of all, I don't laugh hysterically at the elderly. <laughs> 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 but uh, speaking of which, like, I guess... I'll, I'll make a quick mention of this before I move on to Born of Bread. I watched over 400 episodes of Star Trek this year. I watched wow. the entirety of Deep Space Nine, the entirety of Voyager, the entirety of Enterprise, and two seasons of Next Gen this year, and two of the movies. So I watched a lot nice. of Star Trek this year. It's not a game, but it's it's something I spent a lot of my time this past year doing. All right. Born of Bread. Now, neither of you heard of this game. Exo, I no. need to know. <laughs> is this game good? Uh, Does this game rise to your expectations? Well, that's uh, that would be the yeast of my worries. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't try to top me, Michael. I'd like to. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. 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 You walked right into that one, my friend. <laughs> I did. All right, you get the medal. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Born of Bread. Now, King, you played Bug Fables, right? Yes. And you would agree that that game was pretty darn good, right? Yes. Born of Bread is kind of a similar idea, and there's also this game called Flint Buckler or something. I think they changed the name recently. And then... There's this game called The Outbound Ghost, which I did not play, but apparently was disappointing. These are all like Paper Mario likes, like games taking inspiration from the first two Paper Mario games. Yes. Which I am all in favor of because those games are both good. Mm -hmm. I mean, like Bug Fables, I think, did a pretty good job of recreating what worked about those games while still being its own thing and also really mm -hmm. channeling the atmosphere and spirit of 64 especially like the soundtrack has kind of like a chintzy midi sound to it that kind of reminds me of the 64 game whereas with born of bread like i wish listed it like some time ago i probably saw an ad on twitter or something like a tweet when paper mario trends for the 500th time it mm -hmm. seems like every day on X slash Twitter, Paper Mario is trending. It's always people arguing about whether Origami King or Super Paper Mario are good. <laughs> so, like, I wish listed it, like, a year ago. Then, all of a sudden, I got an email from Steam saying, like, Born of Bread is now available for purchase. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And then I look at it, and I'm like, oh, it's a Paper Mario-type game that I wish listed and forgot about. 
I'll play this because this is probably good. It looks good. It's an Unreal Engine 4 game, so it looks nice. Because, like, if I have any nitpicks about Bug Fables, the graphics aren't, you know, like, masterful or anything. They're fine. Yeah. But the uh, the sprite work in this game is is pretty good. And that's that's kind of my review, is that everything about this game is more or less good except the combat. Which is, frankly, how I describe the last three Paper Mario games. <laughs> mm-hmm. Except maybe Sticker Star, where it's like, the interesting stuff in Origami King is the overworld, and then the battles are okay. Yeah. Whereas this game actually has how to describe this first of all the story never really comes together thematically it's about abuse and trying to live up to the expectations of an abusive parent which i think was the plot of pokemon sun and moon i don't know i never finished it (laughs) actually surprisingly yes it is part of sun and moon's plot and uh you play as like a bread golem or dough golem like this baker guy makes a living bread man and then he goes on an adventure with some friends to stop these basically these resurrected punks from an ancient kingdom. He want to bring back their old kingdom, this long lost civilization. And the leader of this of this group is a prince who wants to please his emperor father, who who was never like satisfied with him and was always angry with him. And so you're racing around the world to find the pieces of this MacGuffin before they can. And then it just sort of abruptly ends there. It felt like there should have been like one more chapter or at least a bigger final dungeon. But the final dungeon is like one room that you fight two easy bosses and then the game's just done. And then aliens show up. I'm not making this up. That literally happens. Um, And then it just cuts to credits. So the story wasn't very good. The level design is pretty decent, but it's not as good as anything in Origami King or Color Splash or even really the... uh, first two paper mario games there's more of a focus on side quests and there's like a detailed quest log system to help you keep track of all that stuff and most of those were fun like the side content was where i found myself having the most fun even though i'm not a super big fan of backtracking but in an rpg like this it's okay and they improved on the fast travel system from the paper mario games where you don't have to go all the way down to the sewers to travel to other places or whatever there's just like a warp feature but kind of like there there's this really fun chapter where you go to a haunted cottage in like a snowy forest with and there's like ghosts and stuff i think there was a part like that in paper mario sticker star but i only played the game the one time but really the problem is just the battle system like it reminds me of an experience i had where i tried to mod chess for a symmetric strategy game and like I basically added ranged combat to chess and it broke it in half. Mm-hmm. And I've always remembered that experience because it's it just goes to show like chess is designed the way it is for a reason. All of the rules are there in response to, I know, eventualities that the designer worked out or, you know, designers as the case may be. Like when you take elements from Paper Mario and just change them haphazardly and swap them around, it doesn't really work that well. Like, basically, what I'm saying is everything they changed from Paper Mario to try to make the game more unique made it worse. There's this convoluted elemental system with, like, six elemental archetypes in it where the weakness circle doesn't really make sense. So you basically have to have this badge on the whole time that tells you what the weakness is. 
And then if you hit an enemy with their weakness, they die almost immediately. Whereas if you hit them with something that isn't their weakness, it does no damage. There's this system where, because like how it works in Paper Mario, like the Thousand Year Doors, you collect shine sprites and you go to Merlon's hut and then you, the character levels up, they get extra health and they unlock a new move. And you can do that like twice, I think. In this game, how it works is you find the equivalent of star pieces. You talk to an NPC that shows up everywhere. They give you skill points and then you spend them on moves. And each character has like 13 moves, but there are like three tiers of moves and you can only equip one at a time. And all of these characters don't have a zero FP type move, if you know what I mean, King. No. If you equip something on the lowest tier that costs uh, magic points to use, essentially, and you run out of magic, then that character just can't attack. Mm. And each of the moves on those tiers have their own elemental archetype. So if you try to pick something balanced, you might end up in a situation where the character can't really do anything. No. The mouse and keyboard support, because, like, I don't know if I mentioned this, but I played the entirety of Sea of Stars in Omori with a mouse and keyboard, including that the fucking shmup section at the end, so that was fun. And I tried to do that with Born of Bread, but this game has no keyboard customization at all, and everything is mapped to the wrong place. So you have to use both the arrow keys and WASD and the mouse, and you can't rebind any of it. So eventually I had to switch to controller just to be able to get through it. The characters aren't very interesting. Like thinking back to like Admiral Bobbery from Thousand Year Door has a very clear defined backstory and it takes a lot of convincing to get him to come with you on the ship and then eventually to get him to join your party. In this game, you just sort of stumble across characters and they're like, hey, you should join our party. Okay. And then it moves on. Mm. And I know they felt kind of underwritten. I don't know it's just the and the game is really short there's only like imagine if thousand year door was like half the length it was and the palace of shadow was like one room and then the shadow queen boss was like over in like two minutes Mm -hmm. and that's kind of what the game was it was disappointing in my opinion I know some people don't like bug fables at least I saw at least one person in my twitter mentions call it mid and like Fair enough. If you didn't like the game, you didn't like the game. I think the game's definitely pretty jank. But like, I think that that game definitely captures the spirit of Paper Mario. Yeah. And is its own thing. Like that game has a solid combat engine that has a good. It only has the three characters and you have them right away. But that means you get the whole game to develop all three of them. Yeah. They have clearly defined personalities. The story has a nice sense of progression to it. And I think it's the theming around bug civilization yes, in a backyard yeah. is extremely good. Like one of the like areas is literally just a sandbox, but it's a desert. Yeah. Like that's that's great. That game is super memorable and it has a really good soundtrack. Like it does. Yeah. Born of Bread just doesn't really have any of that. Like the soundtrack's OK. It looks nice. It's perfectly playable, though it is kind of buggy, at least when I played it. There's a time where I slept at an inn and my character got stuck trying to open the door back out <laughs> in an automated animation. Mm. And no, the games, it just felt like, eh, it, it just wasn't that good. Sorry to say, like, I don't like punching down on indie devs because I'm sure they worked really hard. This is a game that reeks of passion. Like, I 
I know they tried their hardest and they wanted it to be good, but I just wasn't really that impressed with it, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So that's born of bread. Sounds breadful. You already did that one. <laughs> that was redundant. <laughs> and yes, there are in fact a ton of bread puns in this game. It's uh nice. All right. What other disappointing games do you have, Ryan? That's it. All right. Then there's one more. <laughs> there's one more I want to get to real quick. And I won't spend too much time on this because I didn't finish it. You guys remember Assassin's Creed? Never heard of it. <laughs> I do. Because, like, I realized earlier this year that, holy shit, that was one of the biggest gaming franchises of the late 2000s, early 2010s. Mm-hmm. It was considered a AAA IP. People looked forward to its releases. The Ezio trilogy got, like, rave reviews. And then at some point, like, this is this is one of my Uno rabbit holes, but, like, people just stopped playing it. Everybody did. Nobody has played an Assassin's Creed game in, like, 10 years. Hell yeah. Except um, for my dad. I know for a fact my dad played Valhalla, or whatever it was called, because I watched him do it. Oh, my God. The, the last thing I remember of the franchise was seeing a trailer for the Egypt game Origins, I think, mm-hmm. at an E3 show. By the way, E3 is done. I think we, we I live in this new Assassin's Creed was in Egypt. Where is this one in? Uh, Baghdad, Iraq. Oh, oh uh, yeah. or the territory that would currently be considered Iraq. Uh huh. But basically, I realized, yeah, I, I remember those the earlier games being good. I think I got all the way up to, I played all of them except the first one, and I got to three, and I got to a part where you're supposed to spring Ben Franklin from prison or something in the third one, and I dropped it, and then I just never thought about the franchise again until now, and I realized, like, wow, those those games were sure good. I would like to try another one, see what what the fuck are they even doing at this franchise ten years later. So I picked up Ask Creed Mirage, and I... I both remembered why I liked this franchise and why I stopped. If that makes sense. Mm. Cause it's like this, this is a really cool premise where like you get to wander around these historical cities, interact with historical figures. There's like a not convoluted, but a intricate plot to follow with all these characters and all these pieces. There's this ongoing war with the Templars. I don't even know what the fuck they're doing with, the modern day plot line or if that's even a part of these games anymore because like i heard desmond died in like the third game or something and then the ghost lady from the first civilization died in a comic at some point between (laughs) games so (laughs) it's completely fucked and all you get is like a monologue from desmond's father before the historical stuff starts so there isn't really any modern day stuff in this game I've heard that the controls are stiff compared to some of the middle entries like Syndicate or Unity or whatever. I never played any of those. Supposedly it was in an effort to make it more like the earlier entries, but apparently it's stiffer than even those. I don't really remember because I haven't played them in so long. And Ubisoft makes it hard to play these games in the first place. Like I had to make a fucking Ubisoft Connect account just to play the game that I'd already bought. Love that. Thanks, Ubisoft. Because they need to have their own convoluted achievement system bolted on top of the what's already on the PS5. Cool premise. Um, I like the main character. His name is Basim, and he's like a charming protagonist. Starts out as a thief. There's a uh, accident with the Khalifa, 
and then he has to go into hiding and he joins the precursor to the assassins, the hidden ones. There's a mentor character who's a like an aged woman with a really deep voice, which I thought was a really inspired choice, honestly. I've never seen that before for a mentor character, but it's like there is kind of a cool prison break sequence in the early game. But kind of where I stopped was I got to the first assassination and it reminded me of how buggy and kind of janky these games could be. And apparently that has not changed because like the assassination takes place in this marketplace. You got to get this guy to come out by making a distraction so you can jump up and get a stealth kill on him, basically. And there's a couple different ways you can make this distraction, which is a cool idea. I ended up bringing this guy some spices that got stolen. And then he's like, okay, follow me into the market and I'm going to make a bunch of noise so the guy comes out. I'm like, okay, you have to follow him. Otherwise, he won't move. But he goes right past two guards who will immediately attack you if you try to walk between them. So you have to go out of your way to kill these two guards, which creates a huge uproar at this market. Then you have to tear down a bunch of posters to get your wanted level down or whatever the hell it's called. And then follow this guy all the way into the market. And it just feels like they didn't think this through. There's no reason that this NPC shouldn't be able to move independently of me, you know. And I kept getting caught because I wanted I wanted to be sneaking cool about it and do it without, you know, getting caught. But after a while, like the game is just so janky about the guard AI that I just couldn't play the game that way. So I just kind of had to put up with that and like after that point i was just like yeah do i really want to keep playing this there's so many other games out this year so i just kind of stopped is it a horrible game there it has production values it looks nice on the ps5 i didn't play it on pc though because ubisoft has a policy where they like in their um eula they say that they're allowed to spy on your ram while you're playing their games (laughs) i just wanted to play uno yeah, exactly. Which is a game nobody has ever played. Just yeah. like the the more Except recent Assassin's us. Creed. We're game. the only people who've ever played Uno. Yes. Wait, did we play Uno? Well, nobody's ever played Uno. Yeah, so how can we play Uno if nobody's played it? Exactly. So that that's Ask Creed Mirage. Don't have too much to say about it. What I played of it was alright. and it, Supposedly it was an attempt at, to return to the series roots. Because apparently Valhalla is like a whole-ass RPG western type rpg yeah it's i think it started with the assassin's creed game that took place with uh, greek mythology or was, was it, it was odyssey? it was it yeah I, wait no was it greek or was it rome well I the don't odyssey remember. is greek so okay i assume it's greek i'm gonna say greek i could be wrong if i'm wrong i don't care <laughs> because i heard it wasn't very good <laughs> i'm pretty sure rome was already in brotherhood so oh yeah the best assassin's creed game from my recollection. I do love Brotherhood. Now, the best Assassin's Creed was the one that was on the DS. That's the best one. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> That's the other you thing. Know, is, I had that game. That's had- part of why I fell off is there were so many fucking games all at once. They just milked the series into oblivion. Mm-hmm.
please check out our YouTube channel for playthroughs of our favorite games and video versions of all our podcasts. This episode was edited by yours truly, ExoParadigm Gamer. Check out the links in the description to follow each of us on YouTube, Twitter, and more. Thank you all very much for watching our podcast, and we'll see you all next time.